listeners, and welcome to Deutsche Grammophon's international podcast series. I'm Sarah Willis, and as you already know, I just love podcasting with the Yellow Label's star-studded casts of musicians. I am thrilled to have two very special guests in the studio today. Yes, they are live in the studio opposite me, the first time since before Corona. It makes me so happy that the Polish duo Hania Rani and Dobrawa Czocha are here with me. Welcome, girls. Hello. <laughs> A bit more about them. They have been friends since they were students in Gdansk and say that their music and friendship are utterly intertwined. They have just brought out their first album with Deutsche Grammophon and as well as being accomplished musicians, they have done some very cool things like collaborating with a famous Polish pop star, playing the piano in the middle of the water and attaching a brain computer interface to their heads while playing. And we are, of course, going to find out why they did that. It's so great to see you. And I practiced my Polish already with Dame. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, perfect. It's it's, it's uh, uh, Vitame with V in in the beginning, but it's very oh very, dear, wrong again. No, no Vitame. it's very very close. Okay. And thank but you for doing it. Vitame. <laughs> we want to make a bit of an effort. Welcome to Berlin, and I'm so, as I said, so excited to have live guests opposite me because it's been a very long Zoom year, year and a half for all of us. And you've just got here to Berlin from Brussels. Tell me what it was like playing for a live audience there. Um, I think for each of us, uh, it's it's exceptional. It's it's amazing, and we are. I think every time we go on stage, uh, because somehow you never know how many people will be there, and we are every time surprised. And especially two days ago in Brussels, there were a really big crowd, and it was um, even a little bit stressful because we didn't expect it at all. Uh, but of course, extremely motivating and. and from my experience, I, I love audience in, in Belgium, so I, I feel like they always give you a lot of support and we definitely felt it. When my orchestra goes to Belgium, we always go and have the French fries afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Dobrava, did you have French fries after the concert? Mm, yeah, actually I had. Yeah, but also <laughs> not exactly after the concert, but when we were like uh, on our way back to, to Berlin. So and, maybe I just... And like, the chocolate as well, the Belgian <laughs> chocolate, oh my goodness. <laughs> many good things. Yeah, I just wanted to add that it's incredible to really be here with you and feel this energy, you know, like on Zoom, you can't like really feel that person that yeah. you talk And with. there's always something you so, oh, sorry, did you hear me? Oh, sorry, I didn't quite yeah. catch that. And oh, yeah, so it's a completely different energy. And I hope our listeners hear that energy as well. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Dobrava, how is it in your orchestra? Because you are here as part of your duo and yes. you're on this tour as part of your duo. But in your day life, you are principal cello in, wait for it, do I pronounce this right? Stettin? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Stettin for Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, I'm, I'm a solo cellist, so it's a slightly different, but yeah, I'm sometimes a leader, which is uh, like very responsible task. Yeah, but now I had to take like some time, you know, uh, off from orchestra because of our plans with Hania. So right now I'm like more into duo mode than orchestral mode. But during pandemic, we were very active because we, we were doing streamings, if you meant that by your question. Yeah, I, I mean, mean a lot of things by my <laughs> questions. Usually the guests answer questions 
much better than I ask them. So, <laughs> but the orchestra is back now playing for full audiences yes, as well. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it really is an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah and then we also played in Szczecin a few days ago. We started our tour in Szczecin and it was full and we were like still amazed about all of those faces on the public. <laughs> yeah, nothing beats a live performance, even with all the electronic and all the streaming. And I mean, you were very active in the pandemic time. Hania, I saw live sessions of yours, really incredible things in this wonderful studio S2. And it looked very lonely, but I know it can't have been that lonely because people must have been in there videoing <laughs> and mixing for you. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it looks quite big, but actually I really love this space. It's like a national radio station. So there are a couple of studios and we also recorded there Dobrava some uh, film music. And I really found there a lot of peace, but also like creative mood. Uh, and uh, we are actually just three people. So my sound engineer that also make live sound for us. And Mateusz Miszczyński, who is a director also, he did quite a lot of work for me and also now working with Project with Dobrava. So we are good friends and it's it's it was, I remember, um, very nice somehow workflow mode because uh, everyone was just doing his thing somehow so you know it's it's a very there are only three of you in there yes, i yes. thought it must have been a huge production <laughs> with hundreds of mixing no. decks, desks and everything we just met yesterday we we stepped by uh, in uh, cologne uh, in Cologne, and we met chili gonzalez a friend of ours and he said it's sometimes like you you produce very easily one video and then it goes viral you don't know why it has and like this, three million views that yes, video congratulations and, and My this goodness. is something that very often happens that there was just, I mean, I think a good work flow and music flow in this video. And somehow, because maybe we are so close with each other, they managed to capture it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's fantastic watching you work. I must admit, I didn't know much about you. I, you know, I'd seen some videos and thought, but this is what I love about doing these Deutsche Grammophon podcasts is that I get to find out about incredible musicians. And I am holding in my hand your your album Inner Symphonies, <laughs> which has just been released. And congratulations. And I just wanted to start off with asking you about the title, because Inner symphonies, these are two different words that are sort of almost opposite. Mm. And for me, there's inner, which is something intimate, and symphonies is like a huge, great big thing. So mm. where where did the title come from and what does it tell us about the pieces? I think it has like a few meanings. For me, what is like very important to me is that we, after five years of not doing project together, of course, we were friends, we were like supporting each other. I was sometimes recording some music for Hania. Hania was also supporting me as an orchestra musician, but we didn't do some project for five years. And after that time, we decided we are going to do a new album. So uh, for me, Inner Symphony, it means this Hanya's symphony of life and my symphony of life are <laughs> again together and, and we can share what we experienced uh, during this time that we didn't really, uh, we weren't really close. So um, that's why it's symphonies. It's not one symphony. So for me, this meaning is especially, you know. Like Every day important. is a symphony somehow inside, yeah. don't yeah. you think? Yeah. <laughs> and the music on this, it's so, I, I, I put it on and I waited overture, okay? And in the classical world, you you imagine, ba-ba, <laughs> you know, or, or some sort of fanfare or some introduction. <laughs> and your overture is very slow and thoughtful. <laughs> Does that say something about the mood of the album? 
it's yeah, a surprise. I, yeah, yeah. I think it, we wanted really to bring some new words. And I think we put this first song in the beginning because we find it very somehow mysterious, quite dark. And it starts with a lot of synths and quite a lot of noise as well. And then the the fragile voice of uh, cello appears. And and this is the first sign of hope because the, the also the kind of um, topic and, and, and subject that we want to investigate and to bring to people is, is hope. That's why we are finishing the album with Spring, which was very much influenced also by Vivaldi or, or after Max Richter rework of Spring. And to to leave people with, with a good feeling, with, with something that is full of uh, hope. That's why we thought this overture, this opening should should be uh, also um, an image of, of struggle a little bit and, and, and how we deal with it. And then you move on to Konmoto, which <laughs> I absolutely adored. I think mm-hmm. that could almost be my favorite one on the on the album. Whale song I love too. Um, <laughs> have, wanna... you, have you heard, because I was curious, because for example, in Whale song, you, you, there are many uh, sonoristic I was going to say, it sounds like a horn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was, when it started, I wondered if this is a horn or a whale. <laughs> It's funny you said that. That was that's on my list. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's uh, that's why we also uh, after recording and working on this music, uh, it was more and more symphonic. It was not not even like strings and piano. It was more symphonic, and we loved it because so uh, we we love the colors of of instruments. And and when whale came up with this also brass sound somehow, we were really really happy mm-hmm. because it brought some new color to. to Are there the special album. settings or something that you use to produce? Produce these horn sounds. Should I next time I'm coming to do them live? I hope you realize we're doing live whale sounds on the horn. Please be our whale. Nobody ever asked me that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was yesterday we were talking that uh, to have, for example, an expanded set of this concert, like a brass section, but this warm brass, not not like very, you know, um, a bright one, but something that brings this warmth and generosity. Yeah, I wanted to say something, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fine. Maybe, maybe I just add yeah, please. Uh, to you Overture, uh, which I also really like that we started with this piece. But uh, you said it's very mysterious. But for me, also at some point, you know, it's like the, the aliveness is also appearing. Something like is moving. And for me, always this moment is the image that in my in my mind that I, you know, put my seatbelts on and we start the journey <laughs> with inner symphonies. So it's it's yeah, it's also mysterious, but but it has this spirit of aliveness as well. And uh, then we go straight to Komoto, which is like pure affirmation of life and dynamic and energy. It's quite Philip Glassy, if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, of um, I, I never mm. know whether it's mm. a, you don't want to insult a musician <laughs> by saying, oh, your music is like, on the other hand, if if it's influenced by such amazing composers. Yeah. It's um, not bad, right? No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And especially in There Will Be Hope. Yeah, this pattern, these passages, it's completely in, uh, inspired by Philip Glass. Ah. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Can I ask you something about making this sort of music? You both come from classical backgrounds. And actually, Hania, you were going to be a concert pianist playing <laughs> Tchaikovsky. Actually, you come from the land no, of Chopin. Not, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, I was never maybe Tchaikovsky because I, my technique didn't allow me to do it. But I was studying also in Hans Eisler Music Hochschule here in Berlin. And I was at some point very interested, which is now a little bit surprising for me, in 
lead begleitung and, and that's very surprising <laughs> yes but that's, that's maybe something also about melodies and just you know i love the structure of songs and at, at some point now i understand why i also to, like to put them in my music because this is something that i'm always looking for a melody and a harmony and that's why you know schumann and schubert were of course one of my favorite also to investigate but this was the totally classical background so mm -hmm. i was playing uh, i was studying classical piano and and the bravo cello through all our lives no composing lessons so this is something that we actually learned just from scores and from from listening to music did berlin influence you at all in this all this sort of electronic world because Berlin is such a, a hub of, <laughs> of, of experimental stuff. Yes, a lot, but actually even more about a real composer because Berlin was the first place, like my, the, the Music Hochschule, where I had contrapoint classes and also uh, very contemporary music and a little bit of, of improvisation and everything was very, very practical. And actually these very classical subjects made me think even more serious about composing and understanding and I remember I think a uh, first month of counterpoint and I we are learning about fugue of course and I immediately decided to wrote the fugue for cello and that and was then uh, <laughs> we recorded in, in very unique in Berlin. place in yeah. Berlin where yeah. yeah idea was actually to I wrote a fugue for free acoustics not for uh, actually instrument and I thought which instrument is kind of um, the most, in my opinion, flexible when it comes to acoustic, that you immediately recognize the acoustic. And I thought the one that gives just one line, it's like piano, that gives a lot of a lot of sounds at one time. So I thought about uh, cello, one of my favorite instruments, and of course the instrument that my friend was playing. And we have uh, found three very different acoustic in Berlin. One was a very dry one, like a studio. One was in the church, and one we thought um, need to be extremely different. So we thought about something that's round, and we went to. To Teufelsberg. Uh, Teufelsberg. <laughs> Do you know Teufelsberg? is in the middle of the Grunewald, exactly. a, big, a big forest, and it's at the very top of a hill, and it's very windy up there. Yes, in, it yeah, was in March. Like all, <laughs> I just noticed. All radio uh, stations, I think, there are these very big round balls uh, now abandoned, it's I where think. where all, the, all, the, all the, 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 what do you call them, the, the towers, the, mm -hmm, the exactly. reception towers are up there. They'll and be. there are no, no limitless reflections because it's a round shape so it doesn't reflect in one direction but it so so the sound the, the result was was incredible and and this is what happened after just taking a counterpoint lessons for me mm -hmm. at least but of course the piece was a little bit more modern that gives yes. me a, a good view into how you are as people because a lot of people would take a contrapoint class and then go to the bar afterwards and you're <laughs> composing pieces and playing them on the top of uh, uh, you know contra contrapoint classes are, are not not that exciting for everyone <laughs> i remember i was not very good at them as a home player but um, I would like to go back and learn more now. <laughs> but when I'm when I'm watching you perform, and when you see your incredible, beautiful videos, there's the one with the on on YouTube now from Deutsche Grammophon of the of the beautiful paintings, or what are they? Live artists, or what what did he do with them? What was his name? Drutin. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that was There Will Be Hope, wasn't it? Yes. Exactly. Yes. But then there's that beautiful video, but then there's um, <laughs> Konmoto with your ensemble. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so varied. And I was wondering, listening to these and watching them, 
what's on the music? Do people are people reading music or are you making it up or have you learned it by heart or where's the improvising? I'm asking this as a, a classical for, musician. For our Do you know what I mean? You, you... Um, uh, yeah, we actually um, were thinking about instrumentation at first and who should play it and of course we chose our good friends because we we really always aim to to connect on some different level than just talking. We just need this communication. You know exactly what I mean. So, yeah, we are doing that with Cornelia, our good friend, uh, Pavel, viola player there, also joining us today in Berlin performance. So we are very happy. And also with two another guys, we did it in in, in Krakow. Mateusz, very good cello player, and Jemovit, double blessed. The cool, the cool guy on the bass. Yeah, Moog. Oh, yeah, and I Moog. saw him at the back there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> so actually, we had scores, but we always have this approach that everybody can say something personal and can just bring some new idea if it feels so. Sure, but not while mm. performing. So you have to sort of know who's playing when and when you start. Yeah, this and was yes. set. This yeah. was set. We had, uh, we of course had rehearsals and every, and, and first of all, we, with Dobrava, we, we know how, what is the structure, what is the form, but it allows improvisation. And of course we, we had like three takes. So every take is a tiny bit different mm -hmm. and then we have chosen the, the best one uh, for it and there will be a full concert with this material uh, I think on the mm -hmm. Gramophone platform so we are very happy uh, if you fantastic uh, make sure us. you <laughs> listen to that dear listeners because uh, it's really very very special but live is of course always best <laughs> Hania when I'm watching your private sessions and you're with all these different instruments and I don't I don't know a lot about electronic music, but I know it's quite difficult to set up all these loops and stuff and know what's going to keep going. And what happens if you then record something you don't like, you erase it and play it again? Is it all you have a structure, but I, I really want to understand how you do it. Is it is it you plan it beforehand or do you just take the the moment and you just play and play and play? Because some of these pieces go on for 25 minutes. Uh, yes, I mean, with amplified music, amplifying instruments, you really need to be prepared before the concert from a very different way than when you perform classical music. And you need to know very well the piece and, of course, be prepared from your like uh, craft and everything. This was a live session. So when I'm alone and I'm doing it for quite a long time now I'm a little bit I know what I can do and of course what for example how I can uh, post-product it and what I need to record and what I can add afterwards or that's or, not just like playing a piano concerto you know you're just you just have two mm -hmm, hands and doing mm -hmm. and the pedal you yes. know here you're doing you're multitasking like crazy but still playing high quality uh, you know classically trained piano yes and it's very well planned before and the more you are prepared before i mean the full session and how it's all plugged in and everything uh, when the melodies appear or what you as you said is looped or maybe something is different what like the synth is coming actually the process is very similar you just need to be prepared and to remember and then the more you are i think familiar with those instruments especially for example synths and this is something that i'm also still learning it's i feel myself as a beginner the more you are also comfortable on stage and with the the live uh, process and also like when we are touring now of course this uh, I, I would say our compositions are quite a lot composed so we we keep for example the form but I think 
when we, for example, we have now uh, one week off. So afterwards, I think we'll, for example, expand these improvisation mm -hmm. moments or or a little bit rearrange something just for us always to to make it more and more live because it's something also that makes us able to to make it always in a new way, in a, in a fresh way, right? Because it's yeah. it's different when you need to perform the same program every night yeah. and to keep it live. Yeah, but it's yeah. also very important to have support of great sound engineers. I was going to ask, what do they do there? What do they do there for oh, you? Oh, a lot. <laughs> Everything, you know, you can't <laughs> imagine how it feels when you have a bad sound engineer. You feel completely insecure. And everything it's like us having a bad day with yeah. our mouthpieces. <laughs> exactly. So you can't really focus on what you want to say artistically because of that. And it's really like painful for me. So uh, for me, that's a good sound engineer in this project is same important as great player. It's like another instrument. A team, team member. Uh, on you the always take the, the same person yes, with you we, now? Yes, we are traveling with uh, uh, our sound engineer is a woman, a wonderful uh, Agata Dankowska and I work with her for many years and now she, she joined uh, our project and we are very happy. And it also gives you a really a lot of peace, I must say, because somehow I mean things can when can go wrong I had even power uh, cut for example yes, I had <laughs> this everything can happen yeah really. but somehow you are together in this and you know that okay like we'll manage right and at some point from my point of view and it happened also to me if everything went wrong I can still play acoustic mm. Right. That that's the good mm. thing. All the the musicians that can just play synthesizers, mm. and I mean that 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 is a really good thing to to fall back on. But Dobrava, this this improvisation improvising mm. thing, I find as a classical musician, I've been playing a lot with. I have a project with um, musicians in Cuba, and they I like. Saw it. And I they, love yeah, it. Oh, thank oh, you. And they give me pieces where there's like eighteen bars with nothing, and they say, "There you play," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> What do I have to play? A C or a G or a D? And you play these beautiful long phrases where I have the feeling you're, you know, maybe it's composed, mm -hmm. but you are doing your own thing. And how did you get out of it? Mm. Yeah, I need some advice. Mm. How do you get out of this classical mode of playing what's on the page mm. and being free? I was exactly the same. I had the same thinking like, oh my God, I can't, first of all, I can't compose at all, but I felt I, I need to do it, you know, but I think it's a matter of uh, education. I think it's a wrong way of educating us that you, in order to, to compose, have to go through very hard way of learning how to do it. No, I don't think it's true. Of course, it's wonderful to go for studies and to learn craft of composition. But if you really have this need, this Uh, urge to do it just do it and I think it's just everything is our minds so it's just this one click when you say to yourself don't be afraid you just go for it and the best way is to do it on the scene you know if you once do it if you once feel you can improvise on the scene then you will be free forever because it's just this one moment when you break something something that is blocking you What makes your partnership so special? Do you do you realize when the other one is going off into some improvisation? Do you do you play jokes on each other on stage? <laughs> do you know exactly what's happening? Are you very controlled, Hania? What do you what what would you say Mark, makes your partnership so special? I mean, you're, you're friends for I years. I think we but. we like to make sometimes. Uh, I don't know if maybe jokes, but but we definitely. Um, 
like to add something new on stage, especially maybe me. <laughs> but Dubrava is, I mean, she's never, I think, angry at me or like looking at me with this side that, oh God, she started something weird now. But she's always just following and she's adding her own ideas. And this is because I, I love to be very live on on, on, on stage. I, I, I love to bring always something new, even if it's wrong or even if it's something that I even I'm not sure about, especially when you do encore, I think it's the, the right place. But and that's space, hard for yeah. a cl- But if you have an <laughs> instrument with you, that that's hard to follow sometimes. Mm. I think it's just you have to be present. Present. You have to be present for another person, and this is what I aim for: to to always follow her ideas. And this is what I also expect from my side. If I come from some new idea, I'm just sure that Hanya will respond and bring some new value to it. So, especially I love those moments when we, for instance, play Konmoto and. I don't know. She's starting doing some crazy stuff, and then you she know, she does a I, lot of crazy stuff yeah, on and stage. Then, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm, you, you know, the technique I'm using in Konmoto is like super fast bowing. It's, it's really like yes, it's like yeah, yes. your, your arm is is being fast forwarded. Yes, you know, sort of sautier. Uh, technique and it's super long you know <laughs> so at some point I just feel like I will lose, lose my right hand <laughs> but no I go for it and, and we, we, we go yeah. till the end together <laughs> into this what crazy I, stuff. What I really appreciate is as a musician myself I appreciate the standard that you both play at. I think these days it's so important to look for new ideas but also to stay to a standard that really that all musicians can appreciate because there would be nothing worse for me if I went off and did a mixture of Cuban music and someone said, oh, but, you know, mm-hmm. she can't really play the horn, but nice project. So I practice like crazy to make sure that my standard on the horn stays. How do you, do you practice scales? What, what, what do you, how do I you? I practice. No, uh, it is, this is something I think that we have in common in thinking. Maybe it's also education that we really are looking for craft as well and, and good uh, quality of sound. And every, and also when composing the, the piece, we were thinking, okay, we want to perform it. We cannot perform just like extremely peaceful and calm music for the whole set because we'll be bored. We want also to play a little bit, to be to be able to 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 uh, be live as a performance because it's such an important thing for us. And also because this music is somehow a little bit, of course, uh, less complex than, let's say, Mahler or, or really difficult contemporary music, this allows us also to improvise and to be more present because there are no, I think, borders in, in technique, in, in our craft, because we can, we can, we are using things that are also comfortable for us. For example, but you still have to practice. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. I can imagine. Yes, this is not something. Practicing. This is something that is. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's just important. It's the quality of sound, and you are losing it very very yeah, quickly. Intonation mm-hmm. also yeah. as a cellist. Absolutely, yeah. I I can't imagine that I go to the scene without practicing scales because for the string in, uh, instrumentalist it's just impossible to play in tune, you know, and with beautiful sound. So for me, it's always just first of all to be just good cellist and then I can be crazy I can uh, explore I can be creative I mean of course you can be creative when you perform you are only performer you play someone else's music but you know what I mean like first of all I really need to be sure about my craftship 
and then I can go for anything I just wish for. I shared a flat with a cellist while I was studying. So I know all about cello scales. <laughs> they started at like 8.30 in the morning and they stopped about three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh and my those God. were just the scales and the double stops and everything. So, <laughs> so you probably hear a lot about that when you're on tour. <laughs> yes, yes. And also we were living together when we were studying and also with another friend of ours, the violinist. So there were a lot of scales. I think I was the, the one who woke up uh, earliest, right? So yeah, she my, was my morning scales, bird. Yeah, my scales were really annoying one <laughs> because scales in the evening are not as annoying as when these... You scenes. haven't lived until you've shared a house with a horn player mm. and heard those exercises. <laughs> That's something anyway. Um, so you say you like to do different things. You like to surprise audiences. Can you tell me about the Netflix project with these <laughs> brain interface, what are they called? Brain interface, brain computer interfaces. There's an amazing video they've brought. I, you can see the video on YouTube of the whole project. It's going to be a film, but you are, the, you've composed the music for it. Um, no, no, or, this uh, is from Inner Yes, but it's not the whole film is not your... your no, 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 no. It's no. just inspired, it's just by, inspired the by the series. Okay, I this see. Sort no. of and they wanted to brought this um, idea how actually, what, what performers, what musicians thing and what is their creative process in their mind when they perform and this is a wonderful I think sign that I would do the same but I think they also investigate a little bit that they have chosen actually classical performance because our instruments classical instruments allow us to bring a full palette of colors and emotions and feelings and somebody were asking us afterwards what is this, this song about what do you feel but this is like you know, we feel like thousands of mm -hmm. emotions, I think, when we perform Very hard um, to describe. Yeah, our mm -hmm. music because every single sound gives us a different like um, image or connection. Also depends when we are performing with what kind of people, friends or other people. And, and this is, uh, I was very happy because this means like, a, you know, it's a sign of power of our instruments and uh, of this music that our instruments are still, they cannot be programmed somehow. So I just explained for our listeners who don't mm. know about this video, uh, the girls were attached, they performed but attached, you started off with Claire de Lune, or didn't yeah, you? Yeah, maybe uh, I just you, add yeah, something please. because I watched this series. So the idea was to show what happens when someone steals your talent. And the main character, she's a pianist and she... I didn't she, understand all that. It was all in Polish. So <laughs> thank you. Yes, I'm learning yes. about this now. <laughs> <laughs> and she, during the whole series she's trying to um, to play Claire de Lune so that's why we are starting we are like ah. somehow blending you know mm. uh, Claire de Lune with our piece uh, called Dunkel yeah and for me it was super interesting I, I started questioning that what would happen if someone takes your passion takes your talent and of course in this series it's it's uh, like the it's show it showed that you are not alive anymore you know like you you can't really live without it and I think for me it would be the same if someone took it from me took cello well you shared <laughs> it with us you wore these brain computers and they were projected in 3D on I mean it's an incredible it's beautiful video they say they were your emotions the emotional part of your brain being projected in 3D all around you while they play your emotions seem to be pink and purple <laughs> <laughs> No, this is actually the, the, the colors of series, unfortunately, because I was a little bit like annoyed with these colors. 
but but you because know because you were pink, uh, I was blue. Yeah. <laughs> we had to deal with with Netflix ideas as well. But actually, it was everything was was live uh, projected, and and it was quite sensitive. That's quite a mm. lot going on in your brain yeah, by the I looks of things. Think yeah, I think this was the problem that I think even if you play quite slow, a lot of going on already. So so this is maybe not so clear when somebody is watching it. And that's no, but also things. could be a truth mm. that mm. your brain mm. is working the same, yeah. um, how to say that, not amount, but the same strength when you play piano, something very intimate as well as you play forte. I, I always love to, you know, uh, play piano as intensively as playing forte. I love when someone is able to do it, for instance. Yeah. And then, then you see that it's actually a complex process in your Yeah, yeah. In I your was head. thinking about that mm. last night on stage in my concert. I was thinking about this video and wondering, really? yeah, <laughs> and wondering what my brain, my brain would have probably been going, ah, so many people, oh, I'm so nervous. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it, it even <laughs> happens to people who play in Berlin every It really does. Yeah. Uh, you sit on stage, especially, you know, because there's that live digital concert hall mm. and cameras and everything. And you, especially as a horn player, you have the potential to ruin the concert <laughs> with one note. I, <laughs> so uh, I was really thinking about that. And I, it would be a really interesting project. But I love that about you too, is that you're open for these things. And I, I have another question. Where do you think, do you think classical music needs this direction what what are your what are your intentions with being so inquisitive and so so curious i mean is it just because you feel that's your personal way of communicating or is it is it because our branch really needs this now i know my answer to this but i'm asking yours I think at some point we are also very curious because we never experienced this kind of opportunities. And this is still, even though we, we have some experience, especially I'm since a couple of years doing my own projects, but this is still something very new and we want to put ourselves in this situation. This is like also a very personal, I think, approach. But at some point, I have a feeling that we are also showing something to to other people who who are who have similar experience or or as you said it can maybe even affect the whole genre but I think it's already happening there are so many young people right uh, out there and doing classical music and I think they already are bringing something new even like visually or or from the phonographic side or the way they are uh, wearing clothes uh, on, on on stage or just talking about music or listening podcasting. to podcasting <laughs> exactly exactly and and this is something that shows that we are just modern people like performing different kind of music but we we all live in the same world we use metro we we listen on on headphones we we are modern we are contemporary creatures somehow, right? And we, we are not mm. blind. <laughs> we use internet. <laughs> so for me, there is no... Um, I don't separate it. When I perform classical music, I try to take what I learned while performing, for instance, project with Hanya, to Brahms Sonata, which is more openness, more freedom, more self-confidence I would say because I'm I'm not that much afraid of playing one note wrong right now and when I perform our in inner symphonies I always first of all as I said earlier I just want to be great cellist so I, I don't separate those two words I still feel classical musician 
but I also feel I'm like a curious person, as you said, like curious, I think is good word. Part of, of, yeah. of the word, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just want to explore everything uh, during this time in on this planet. You know, mm. I just, I don't want to close myself on one genre. Maybe in a hundred years, the people learning about classical music <laughs> will be learning this, you know. Who maybe. knows? <laughs> yeah, we no. are also curious what, what, where <laughs> it will lead us. And what is your answer, can you know? My answer is very similar. I think I think as a classical musician, these days, it's almost a necessity. You have to be open for these different things, which is what I said at the beginning, why I love these podcasts, because, you know, we had Moby on the podcast, mm-hmm. Dustin O'Halloran, mm-hmm. I know you, mm-hmm. you know. And then, you know, a week later, we have your friend Vikingo Olafsson and, mm-hmm. and, and just this incredible mixture. And all of them are very open to classical and all, but also the other way, mm. other way around, you know, the pop musicians are open to the classical side and the classical musicians are open to having their pieces remixed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think this is really necessary. But for me, it's so important. It doesn't matter what direction we go in, whether we're remixing or performing other people's works or performing your own works with visuals or even, you know, talking about classical yeah. music like I do a lot. I think it's really important to keep your own quality high. Yeah, exactly. Quality, yeah. And you it have to believe sweet. in it, you know, it has to be yours. It has to be honest. So if you feel like my my thing is Brahms and Bach, just go for it and explore it uh, as much as you can. Mm. Exactly. So it just, I, I don't know. I don't like to to really put things into some... In a box. Boxes, yeah. yeah. That's great. I love yeah. that. I really love that. But we mentioned Vicky, so I just have to ask, yeah. did he like your remix of his Damoiselle? <laughs> this is what he said to me. <laughs> but, you know, actually, um, it was extremely difficult because it was, was my first time to remix actually Debussy, right? A classical composer, which I find that there is nothing to add there. And uh, that's why I also admire with Dobrava so much what uh, Max Richter did with Vivaldi, because I think he did it in such an extremely creative, but also elegant way. And he kept a lot of classic, but he had a little bit of, of modern touch. Anyway, um, I... D- what I wanted to mention also earlier, this is for me, now I, I don't perform any more classical music since my Abschluss concert. I, I just perform my own music. and Not even at um, home in the morning? Yeah, home, home, yes, but like oh. performing, uh, performing to uh, like uh, as, you know, live on stage. Anyway, it's, it's every time I feel this is a magic moment when you, for example, investigate a classical piece or you listen to a classical piece and you just learn how modern it is. And that's actually, the for me, a sign that really borders doesn't exist in music. And as you said, if there is a very big, like a huge quality and value in it and and, and human thought and, and logic somehow, even if it's like avant-garde, it's something that will stay, that will remains and, and can be inspiring as some of Bach passages or harmonies or, or, or of course the art of folk can be as modern as today composed contemporary music and, and the same with music producing or I'm talking about phonography because that's changed my mind as well as a classical uh, musician that we had always quite the same way of recording and this new like let's say modern classical or new repertoire music brings on table microphones as your tool and you can really investigate what happens when you approach in a totally different way and you use the special microphones and then 
in a studio work on the sound. You After like your work. microphones really close, don't you? I notice <laughs> exactly. in the music, you hear like exactly. every little bit of the, mm-hmm. they become yeah. like a, like a, like mm-hmm. an instrument, the microphones. Yes, so yes. Just being and this a thing. is, and that's why I always feel my music, of course, it's composed, but it's something even more. It's something that is brought very directly from the instrument. And for example, and from the moment, right? From the moment as well, but I think it's also the instrument itself and its character. And for example, it's a wonderful feeling when we put microphones very closely to to cello, but also to very big instruments like double bass or bass clarinet. I'm very curious about horn, never recorded it. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think uh, it can be... Like two days ago, we recorded Harpist for a soundtrack. And I love as Dobrava, very soft sound at some point. And we, with, with Agata, our sound engineer, we, we put microphones in a configuration that gave this very soft, but also somehow very interesting and 3D sound. And the Harpist was like, Oh my God, you are the first people who didn't ask me to play in a very hard articulation because they are, they have always a problem to record my playing. And we said, but we have such a, you know, sensitive microphones. So you don't need to play very hard. You can be really, really soft and then you get like a totality. And she was amazed what actually how it sounds with totally different technique, right? Maybe, maybe that she can allow days, us. Maybe these no. days you should offer mm-hmm. that at the mm-hmm. music schools, learning about microphones. Definitely, really, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. definitely, because this is something, especially what pandemic showed, everybody had to record themselves. Oh, there were some terrible things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some good things, but also yes. some really, yeah. <sighs> and, and this is something that we could really use as our friend, because yeah. of course, this is, I, I'm using very close mics or uh, like I'm processing sound, but somebody can just use a pure signal with with you know classic microphones but this is something that i think also when recording the the solo albums of classical music it gives you opportunity to bring also your own voice you can say to sound engineer okay it sounds great but maybe we we look like this i i'm really i love my register here and maybe we we bring this we my, should yeah. learn that I really and, my life is a home no. player in the recording mm. studio because they say mm. okay we'll put the microphone behind you and mm. then that's it's so direct and so mm. it's okay if you want that sort of sound mm. but actually knowing more about yeah. the the microphones and possibly good idea I think we should watch that for the future <laughs> but it, it also teaches you that you can touch your instrument in a completely different way you know this is what I learned from um, recording a lot like Whatever you do, it's hearable, so you don't have to be really like forcing anything. Uh, so for me, like microphone is a teacher, like new teacher, like modern it's like classical a mirror as well. teacher. <laughs> mirror as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we as mm-hmm. uh, like mm, teachers, we should give uh, kids uh, microphones from early stage of education mm-hmm. because not just iPhones. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. although some iPhones some have sound very quite good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, then you really can can hear what you present. Yeah. You can have some imagination of your sound and what you what you show through your music. But then you listen to the recording, and it could be completely <laughs> different. I tell all, yeah. all my students to record themselves, yeah. but mm-hmm. usually it's just with a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it's a it's an uh, it's a great. Yes, yeah. I, I would say this is the best teacher. You just 
immediately hear what's yeah. going wrong. And, and also about Vikingur, I am always so amazed about their way of education because I think they have this studio the classes from or Iceland, Iceland mm-hmm. yes, and, and this uh, studio opportunities way earlier. And we were also working with Victor Arnason, who was uh, also assistant of Johan Johansson, a sound engineer. He's an amazing violin and violin player. And he said, I was growing up in studio. That's why I know what I can bring to, to uh, recordings. And uh, this is something that's experience. You cannot learn it from the book. You just need one mic and just to record yourself. And and that's why I think Vikingor's uh, recordings are so innovative in for, for classical music. And and I was amazed to just to hear how they sound because I think he has this knowledge and he, he knows what he can ask for. He's such a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Yeah. But um, but you two are as well. I mean, congratulations on the Deutsche Grammophon album. That's quite a big deal to be recording for the Yellow Label in this wonderful, wonderful duo. And the, the picture on the front of your Inner Symphonies album, what are you doing there? Are you in a tent or what, what is this? <laughs> no, no, you know, I can show you. It's exactly, it's this coat. It's, it's this coat. Yeah, and we are under the one coat. Yeah. Oh. Just like, you oh, know, it was it, it was called. It could be a two-headed R2-D2. Yeah. <laughs> and we took like little chairs oh. uh, by the sea and this is also a very special place to me because it's like uh, my parents by the sea place, you know, the, the place where I usually rest and gain some inspiration now from I nature. Now I see your coat. I yeah. can see yeah. it. It's really, it's really, really beautiful. The whole <laughs> album is beautiful and um, and I know people are just going to love it and I want to be your whale um, the next time you do this live. We have to talk about that. And also, Dobrav, I wanted to say your cello entry in The Scream mm-hmm. made me have uh, goosebumps. <laughs> it was so beautiful and so intense and and it you just have this ability with your sound just to make something I was like oh, holding oh my, my breath I have now goosebumps yeah. oh my god me too it's oh my god the best compliment I ever heard oh, oh. and this is actually what I imagine this is the place of screaming yeah, so that's I'm why I was like, there. what's going to happen? Is she about to get loud? It was, it was an incredible moment. And I really <laughs> wanted to tell you that because I enjoyed the, really the whole, the whole album. And they're all so different, um, all the pieces, but they do, they have this wonderful way of fitting together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't know much about it. I always listen to a new album before reading all the program notes. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting I prefer approach. it like that mm-hmm. because, um, I, I, I don't listen to so much music at home. We were talking about this mm-hmm. earlier before the podcast started because in the orchestra, there's always so much going on and performing in concerts. So I like quiet. But when I get a new album for these podcasts, I try and listen to it mm. before I read anything about it and see what do I think. Yes. And then it's really interesting. Sometimes I'm totally wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's really? just your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. just your way of perception. Mm. And this is what we love the most also with Hanya. We we always wait for people, ideas, what they find into this music and I, you know I actually don't like the, the question what did you want to like say like it's my personal perception and Hanya's maybe you have completely different one and it's perfect one because yeah, it's yours that's what music is yeah. isn't it it's like but it's like also what you make out of it but mm. if if you two are, are bringing your experiences and your inner symphonies mm. to you know to the album then then we are getting a, a, a view into your souls with it and you you said Dobrava you cello 
follow is for you, you know, showing your soul. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, and and you have Hania, you have like uh, lots of in different instruments on stage <laughs> to do that with. But your main instrument, and you will always be from, you know, from your heart, a pianist, of and course, that is that's where you ex core. <laughs> yeah, but you do play the microphones very well as well. Now, I, now I've learned that. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> thank yes. you both so much for coming on the Deutsche Grammophon International podcast today. Oh. How do you say thank you in Polish? Dziękuję. <laughs> good. I didn't. I, I learned Dzień Dobry to say good morning, but we've passed that already. So, uh, so thank you very, very oh, much. We were so honored. Honored, oh, really. Yes, you are, really. you are a star. You no, know no, 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 no. You guys are the stars, and I hope we never know. Maybe we'll have some live collaboration going on. So uh, yes, now I, I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be your whale. I said it here live on the podcast. So, dear listeners, it's been great to have you with us, and if you've enjoyed this podcast with Hania and Dobrava and you want to hear more of our fabulous Deutsche Grammophon podcast, then subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and I will see you here next month. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.